Listen, can we welcome our online campus? Can we welcome just everybody that's watching from all over the place? Thank you guys for joining us here at Connect. Our house is your house. Amen, amen, amen. Well, listen, um, if some of you uh, may not be familiar with like prayer and fasting. You might be familiar with prayer and feasting, but not prayer and fasting. And uh, so when we start the new year out, we, uh, we always start uh, with a 21-day um, kind of focus of prayer and fasting. So I want to encourage you, if you've never done that before, uh, connect with us uh, through our website, and we can, we can send you daily devotionals and texts, or you can just go to our, our, even our social media and just see what we're doing. But it's a really great season. And uh, it's a great way to start your year. Often I tell people, I've said it for literally decades, uh, if you want to have it be your best year, make it your best year spiritually. Amen? Amen for more than 20 people? Praise the Lord. All right, listen, we're in a series. uh, I'm going to pray and and get us going, but we're in a series called Clean House. So let's pray and let's ask God to do something special in this house today. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to communicate your word. I pray that anything I say would be helpful, useful, edifying. Build people up, encourage them uh, wherever they need encouragement, Lord. Strengthen wherever they need strength, wherever they're weak, Lord. I pray that you pour into them by your spirit. Thank you that you're with us. Don't leave us. You inhabit the praises of your people. Reside here. Feel welcome here. And um, and Lord, we're just, we're just so thankful for what you're going to say to us. Speak to people. As I speak to many, speak to the one. Would you just speak to the one? And uh, would, you, would you do something that is personal for them? And I thank you in advance in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to catch uh, some of you guys up. We, uh, we kicked off the series last week. Last week was a, kind of an opener for Clean House. And um, we were looking at, um, looking through the lens of Jesus' life and his ministry. He kicked off his ministry, um, believe it or not, his first sign or, or kind of uh, act of ministry was he went to a wedding, not to church. He went to a wedding. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 2 that he, at the wedding, performed this miracle where he turned what? Water into wine, right? And so everybody loved Jesus in the beginning. Everybody loved Jesus. Everybody's like, Jesus is just all right with me, you know? I think the Doobie Brothers were singing at that wedding. Praise the Lord. No. They look old enough, right? Don't they? Um, nobody knows the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> anyway, uh, some of you do. Um, but, but Jesus went from that kind of atmosphere, first act, first sign, and the disciples are like, man, they're so pumped, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rock this world, and, 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 and look at all these followers, and Jesus' Instagram blew up, and, 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 and then he goes to church the next week, so that was for like all the people who don't know God, then he goes to the people who do know God, he goes into church, and he goes into church with a whip, <laughs> And he flips uh, some tables. He whips some people and he flips some tables. This is not, I think the disciples are like, whoa, as your promotional directors, we're a little bit concerned with how you're going. This is really going to hurt, you know, your ratings, Jesus. Uh, could you put the whip, you know, the Indiana Jones thing aside and, and, and stop flipping everybody's tables. But Jesus had, uh, had a, a purpose for that. He, he went to people who were quote-unquote followers of God. And this, these activities that transpired there 
were symbolic to us because though he went to the temple corporately, it applies to our temple individually because the Bible says we are the temple of God. We are the house of God now. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 talks about that, not built by human hands, but built by God. And so God sometimes will come into our lives and though we want him at our table to help us with our plans, sometimes God flips the table flip some of our plans upside down and what he'll do sometimes is he'll clean house everybody say clean house and so jesus was cleaning house in the temple and jesus wants to clean house in our temple as well so you want to go back and you want to listen to that but today as i set up today's message is called clean heads so we're going from clean house to clean heads we're probably going to talk about clean hearts next week and i think pastor devin's going to talk about clean health and uh he's gonna he's gonna teach you how to detoxify or something i don't know um Wheatgrass. It's going to be a message on wheatgrass. No? Yeah, you're going to kill it with that, son, next week. Apple cider vinegar, wheatgrass. That's Devin's first two points. No, praise the Lord. But today, we're going to talk about clean heads. It has set it up. Let me, let me start with a, with a little survey of the audience. And, and remember, you're in church, so you can't lie. And you must participate, okay? This is all, all play. So how many of you in this room, by a show of hands, be honest, are like more on the the messy side than the super neat side. All the messy people, raise your hand. All the messy people. So, so come on, don't be shy. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Okay, all right, all right. So now, how about all the like super organized, really neat people? Wow, they're, 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 they're so much, they're proud. They're also very proud people. A lot of proud, organized people. Organized, neat people are a little bit proud. How many... How many, uh, be careful with this one, so this one I give you freedom to participate or not. Uh, how many are married to your opposite? Raise your hand if you're married to your opposite, okay. Oh, that's some honest people. Wow, impressive. Isn't it crazy how that happens sometimes, right? And, 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 and it, it plays a really funny dynamic in the home sometimes. Maybe I'll get to that. But the messy people, let me, just, let me just speak to you. Let me pass to you for a second, all the messy people, okay? Here's what happens sometimes with, with the, messy, uh, the messy people is you don't, you don't sometimes look at where the road leads. But eventually, you're going to have to clean up. You're going to have to clean house. You know, you're going to have to kind of address some things. Uh, messy people in their extreme... Uh, can get to a place where <laughs> they can't live. Like, they can't, like, the laundry's piled up so bad, it's not in the drawers, it's on the floors. And, and you can't recycle that same laundry that many times. You're like, how many times can I wear this shirt? Oh, we could flip it. You know, we could reverse it. <laughs> this, these are, I, I see these things. Like, these are stories, you know? Uh, I won't indict any people, but, um, but I know people. I know people. Uh, sometimes these people, they, they go so long without doing laundry that when they finally have to do it, oh, I forgot, there's no detergent. I ran out last time. <laughs> uh, some, some of these people have, they can't eat because, not because there's not food in the refrigerator, but because there's so many dishes in the sink, there's nothing to eat off of. Right? All the, all the neat people are just struggling right now. It's just it's like painful. It's like, <laughs> they're just doing that in their head. Right? But, and, and some of the people that, <laughs> that struggle on the messy side, like, they, 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 they might have food, but they can't see it. Like, my son was this way. I'm going to pick on him because he's here. And, and he, can, he can pick on me in the last week. But, but Devin used to be this way when he was young. He'd, he'd open the refrigerator. There's no food. There's no food. 
And okay, just so you understand Devin's definition of food, food has to transfer from the refrigerator to his mouth as a gourmet meal with no effort. That's what he means. There's no food in here. If it's not like ready to go and then there's, there's no food. But, but some of us truly on the messy side, there'll be no food. And so we're just ordering out, ordering out DoorDash. The DoorDash guy is your best friend. Like you know him personally. Like you guys have exchanged cell numbers. Uh, you've called Pizza Hut so many times, they're like, we're going to have to cut you off. We're just going to have to cut you off. You're, we're concerned for you. Right? And, and, this, and trash. Oh, i got to go on the trash. Just got to stop with this one. Messy people with trash, uh, it's amazing how long certain people can go pushing down, ramming. Like, they'll put more effort into pushing it down than the effort would just be to just take it down to the trash can. Right? And the organized people in the home or the, the neat people, they're struggling. Just so you know, they're seeing that trash can say that's the trash can. They're walking, I wonder how much longer they're going to they're let that thing. How do they, oh gosh, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not touching you. They're going to, you're going to do it. They're going to have to deal with that trash. And you're just getting so fired and fired up. And the messy people are just waiting you out. They're just waiting you out. I know eventually dad's going to tie that thing up and take it down. And sure enough, we do because we can't stand it anymore. All right, now on the other side, everybody say other side. I'm going to spend less time on this because I'm in this category. <sighs> on the other side, in this particular area, I I'm kind of a neat person domestically. You know, my mother was just like, made us do chores and, you know, we had to brush our teeth and straw scrub the sink before we even came to the table. Like, come on, mom. Um, you know you're in here, mom. You're probably in here somewhere. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to try not to poke too much fun at mom. Mom is super neat, okay? Super neat, all right? Literally. You can't even imagine the chores I had as a kid. But, um... But, but, but the neat people, like, we, we, we struggle. We struggle because it's in a different way. Our perfectionism gets the best of us sometimes, and, and it manifests in, in different ways. Um, I remember, like, for me, when I get a new car, I'll just use that as an example. I remember when I get a new car. A new car to me is like a, a new member of the family. And so I, I don't say it out loud, but I'm like, I, it's like I made a vow, a commitment. I will take care of thee all thy days. And... I shall wash thee every single, no, twice a week, I shall wash thee so those are pure and holy before the world. And, and, and you know, I'll take care of thy leather, thy pleather, whatever you are, you're, you're mine. Uh, and so we, we're so committed to it being perfect. And then we get our first ding on the car. You guys, some of you neat people know, know the feeling. You get that first ding. And it's as if you lost a limb, the pain of that. It's like, oh! you know and you just can't you can't even process it's so much it's so painful and then you're driving down the highway and a rock comes in hits your windshield and there's this little spot in the upper right hand corner and the whole glass is perfect but all you can see is the little crack right and it just drives you nuts and and then you start to kind of just like oh it's ruined just what what's the point you know what I mean then the grandkids get in the car. Poppy, can we have food? No, there's no food shall not touch thy pleather. No, there will never be any food. But they keep asking. And because of the rock and because of the ding, you're like, oh, it's just ruined anyway. <laughs> All right, Poppy will give you a snack. But you got to keep that food up close. And they, oh, and the kids promise. The two-year-old promises. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, puppy, I'll never make a mess. You know what I mean? Within seconds, it's all over the place. And the new car smell that you protected for five years now is five guys and fries smell. <laughs> it's ruined. I'm getting deliverance. But the over time, over time, <laughs> these things happen. This happens. That happens. And because these things happen, the problems pile up, right? 
they pile up and they, they begin to affect not just your car, but your life gets affected by the, the accumulation and, and the piling up of things. And our Christian experience is like this. Uh, you, you become a new, not car in Christ, but a new creation in Christ. And when you become a new creation in Christ, when you first became a Christian, you, you express to God, you know, God, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. I'm going to be dev- a fully devoted follower to you. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve and use my talents and gifts for God. Discover them and use them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a giver and not a taker. I want to be a contributor, not a consumer. And, and you make these commitments, and then this happens, sidelines you. And then that happens, and you make a mistake. And before you know it, things start piling up, and it's affecting your Christian experience. Is everybody with me? Yeah. I've heard it said that the Christian experience is like a grease pole. You're either climbing up it or slipping down. And so we have to learn how to kind of, as Christians, always the best defense is always being on the offense in our temples and in our house and in our Christian experience. We can't just be reacting. We can't just be, like, waiting. We can't go on cruise control as, as in our Christian experience. We have to be proactive and assertively maintaining what we've obtained in Christ. The Christian experience isn't just obtain freedom, it's maintain it. Are you with me, everybody? Because if you don't, this messy life will begin to meddle with your spiritual connection with God if you don't learn to stay on top of things. Are you there? And so the philosophy, uh, some people have a philosophy of cleaning, and that is, you know, put off today what you can do tomorrow. That's somebody, that's some people's cleaning philosophy. Oh, I can just get it later. And, and I'll just do the dishes later. I'll just take the trash out later. And we just keep putting things off and putting things off in our lives. Some people's philosophy is if there isn't a place for it, just throw it in a drawer. How many have a drawer that has unspeakable things inside the drawer? Like you, you don't even know. You start pulling it out, you're just like, oh, my gosh. You're like, it's a treasure hunt in here. That's unbelievable. I got checkbooks from 1970. I've got keys that I don't even know what they go to, old cars. You know what I mean? Uh, things that are, it's just unbelievable how some of us live. But we, we, the, the philosophy should be, we don't put off tomorrow what we can do today. The philosophy should be, as Christians, we're always cleaning. We're always cleaning house. Are you there? So, because um, if you don't, a little thing becomes a big thing. And that's what I want to get to with some of this illustration. Before you know it, little things become really big things in our life. And so, maybe you're flirting with a problem. Then it becomes a fascination, a fantasy. And before you know it, it becomes a fixed problem in your life. It could be small things that become big things. And so I want to talk about clean heads today. And here's our big idea, all right? If you're taking notes, pay attention to this. Your big idea for clean heads is the life you live is a direct result of the thoughts you think. The life you live is a direct result of the thoughts you think. Now, I just want to say like two or three years ago, I read this book. I want to give some credit to Craig Rochelle. Some of this stuff came from that, um, I think. I just remember, and that is, it's called Winning the War in Your Mind, if you're interested. Winning the War in Your Mind. Absolutely fantastic book. So I think he said something like that. But the life you live is a direct result of the thoughts that you think. In other words, it's impossible to have a positive life if you have negative thoughts. You can't have faith if you have, if you have thoughts of fear. You can't have a godly life if you have worldly thoughts. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. 
Your strongest, your prevailing thoughts, you could say. Uh, your prevailing pretenses. Your, your life is always moving in that direction. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man, or you could say woman, a person, thinks in their heart, so is he. It's, it's what you think. It, it's so powerful. Thoughts, words, deeds, thought, words, actions. It's a cycle. It's a pattern. And if you want to change the pattern of behavior, you have to change the patterns of your mind. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Are you there, everybody? So clean up your thinking, clean up your life. Stinking thinking, my daddy used to call it. We got to deal with our stinking thinking. Turn to your neighbor and say, deal with your stinking thinking. All right. So here's our two key texts, 2 Corinthians 10 and Philippians 4 is where we're going to go. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, we live in the world, but we don't war like the world does. The weapons that we fight with in the world we're living in are different. In fact, the weapons we have, they have divine power. Everybody say divine power. Divine. That, means, that means they're supernatural. They're not natural. Uh, divine power, the, the, the Greek for that word power is dunamis. Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. It's explosive power. So I want you to understand something. I'm going to paint a picture for some of the negativity of our thoughts, but I want you to know that God has thoughts that he has for you and weapons that he has for you that literally can blow those things up. Are you there, everybody? And so he says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Circle and underline that if, you're, if you care. But that's a key word we're going to get to. And we demolish arguments. And every pretension, pretense you could say, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So these props kind of represent uh, an attempt to set something up against what God is trying to do in your life. You're going to see in a few minutes, like a, like a wall, like a barricade, like a block. There are these thoughts that set themselves up against you to block you and keep you. And so God says, what do you do? Everything that's, that set itself up against the knowledge of God, you have to take captive these thoughts and make them. Everybody say make them. You make them obedient to Christ. So now this, this word stronghold, uh, I'll, I'll kind of tell a story. I think it's in the Pray First book by Chris Hodges. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing it and don't remember all of it. But there's a story told of these church planners that wanted to plant a church, and they're super young, a little bit naive, and they don't know what they're doing, but they want to have fun doing it. It, it kind of was like the book of Acts meets Animal House, okay? And so they, uh, they, they would go to work every day, and while they're working, they're also playing uh, um, Capture the Flag. And so they're playing Capture the Flag at the office. And by the way, for guys, it's not about having fun. It's about winning, okay? Can I just get that out there, everybody? Some of the men say amen, right? We think winning is fun, okay? Girls like, just have fun. Why can't we just have fun when we play games? Why do you got to be so about winning? Or Winning is fun, okay, for men. All right, anyway, so, <laughs> so, so these guys want to win to capture the flag, but the game is from 9 to 5. You cannot play the game before. So some of these guys cheat, and they get there before the office opens. One of these guys goes in the middle of the night and he's trying to find the flag so that when the doors open, he can go right to the flag and win the game. So he's totally cheating. Well, another guy's cheating too, but he comes after him. He's there about eight o'clock in the morning. He's looking through the office to see where the flag is and he opens a closet and his buddy's in there hiding from the night before. 
So he's like, aha, and he shuts the door, and he goes to put a chair under the door, and he says, I'm leaving you in here till 5 o'clock for cheating. The other guy's like, you're cheating too. He's like, yeah, but you cheated first. You're stuck here. I'll come back and get you at 5. The guy's like, no, please, come on. But what the guy inside doesn't know is that the chair didn't fit under the door, but the guy on the outside led him to believe it did. So he lied to him and said, there's a chair under the door. You'll never be able to get out. But the guy inside never checked to, to see if he could open it. And he stayed inside that closet all freaking day long, everybody. Are you with me, everybody? And so the moral of the story is some of us, as it pertains to our thoughts, are locked inside a closet or a, like a prison. And the only lock on the door is a lie is a lie. Some of you could break strongholds. Some of you could break patterns of thinking. Some of you could be in a completely different place because the, the direction of your life could totally change if you weren't buying a lie. The only thing that's got you locked up is a lie. So this word stronghold, it, it really means a fortified prison. And the Bible connects our thoughts to a prison. And some of you are struggling with your thoughts more than anything else. You think you need to lose weight. No, you need to change your thoughts. You think you've got a problem with that person. No, you need to change your thinking. You think you have a money problem. No, you have a poverty mentality. It's always start, is everybody with me? It always starts with your thoughts. And nobody is immune or exempt from an attack on your thought life, including me. So I, people say, like, one of their greatest fears is speaking in front of people. It's not one of my greatest fears. You could put five people in front of me or 500 people in front of me. I don't get afraid. It doesn't affect me on Sunday. Listen. But it does affect me on Monday. It's not all these people here. It's when I'm all by myself. And sometimes when I'm all by myself, can I bring you into my crazy a little bit? A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. But sometimes I'll be there on a Monday and I'll be, and, and these thoughts will come in my mind like nothing really meaningful happened yesterday. You're not building a church. That was just a crowd of people. They went in one way and they left the same. I, what you said that you thought was going to be so impactful, it wasn't. It wasn't that impactful. Look. Just, just take a look. And then he'll highlight, a thought will come in my brain, you know, like, like look at that. Look at that. Remember that. Sometimes I can be, I can see things that you can't see. I see quite a bit. There can be hundreds of people locked into what I'm saying, but I can see the one person that's sleeping on his, on his wife's shoulder. I can see the kid who's like scrolling on Instagram. And, and those are the thoughts that will surface in my mind sometimes on a Monday. And, and, and you could be like confident in one area and you could be broken down when you're all by yourself, all by yourself in your thoughts. Are you with me, everybody? Does anybody think like that? Does anybody have problems like that in their, in their mind where they're like, nope. Listen, raise your hand if you ever had problems like that. You think things like that. Okay. Now look around. Keep your hands up. Look around all the people that didn't raise their hand. Let's pray for pride. Let's come against pride <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Okay? <laughs> Gee. <laughs> I used to think it was only me, which is another thought that used to come in my head. The, the guys in my field, the guys in my profession, they don't have these thoughts. They're confident. And, and, and then I got around some of these other, uh, let's just say over time, you know, like high-impact players in the kingdom of God. And then I start listening to them like, oh, my gosh, they have the same problems. They have the same crazy thoughts that I do. Wow. Sometimes I have thoughts like that, that play both sides of the coin. And, and this should tell you something about how devious 
and how criminal sometimes thoughts can be. Sometimes I have thoughts that, you know, things are going really good. Like this, currently, I, I, I'll just be completely transparent. Connect Church is doing really, really good. Our whole ministry, it's just, it, it's in momentum. And part of me, it, when I'm where I need to be, is saying to God, Lord, help me steward uh, humbly. Help me, help me, um, you know, help me steward this responsibly with integrity. But there's another voice sometimes that says, you see how well things are going? It won't be long. It won't, be, it won't, be go- it won't last. It won't last. It's going like this, but it's, it's like a rocket ship. It's just going to crash. Or sometimes I've been in seasons when things aren't going that well. And in, and, and in those seasons, a voice will come in my head and say, it's always going to be this way. And, and, and so these thoughts, these criminal thoughts can play both sides. And you have that same thing happen in your life, too, at different times. And so what happens is these thoughts, if you, if you allow them, if you give permission, if you let them kind of open the door uh, to your mind, these thoughts become, they become what the Bible calls a foothold. And a foothold is like, it's like one prison bar. It gets residence somehow in your mind and takes root there. You have allowed that thought to become a foothold, a prison bar in your life. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that it says, don't give the devil a foothold. Why? Because footholds become strongholds. And so sometimes it's a thought, maybe it's about your purpose or maybe it's about your calling. I'll just use it for myself. You contextualize it for you. But you, 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 you believe God called you into the ministry. You believe God called you to, or to, for a purpose or to do something. And, and, and then there's this thought that comes in your head, you know, that maybe you weren't supposed to do this. Look around you. Look at what's happened. Look at what's not happening. Why are you not further along? Why has, why is it taken so long? Why is, look at the lids everywhere. That's a message for you. You're striving in your own strength. God's not behind you. And, and, and this thought, if you, if you allow it, that thought becomes a, a prison bar, a foothold. And then when you're going through life, the, the Lord will open up and opportunities will begin to open up at different times. And, and you're, and God's saying, I want you to do this. And God's saying, you want to do that. And then bam, you hit that prison bar. No, that can't be for you. That must be a misinterpretation. You're not qualified to do that. That's somebody else is better than you are. You're not the one for that. Wow. And then maybe your, maybe your foothold has, has, has something to do perhaps with your relationships. Maybe that's something that a, a, a prison bar that's holding you back is something happened in your life that you let define your life. Wow. You were rejected, you were hurt, you were betrayed. And, and because of that experience, a thought came in your mind. I've had this happen in my life. I can remember different times. There were times where I've said, I can say today that I'm not a wealthy man, but I'm rich in relationship. But there was a time in my life where I felt poor in relationships. In fact, it was because there was a series of relationships that didn't go very well. And there were a series of relationships that that were broken, breached, betrayals, whatever you want to call them, whatever the reason or cause was. The thought that came in my mind is there's something wrong with you in relationships. You don't know how to do relationships. You talk about it. You preach about it. you, You try to help other people with it. And, and, and look, look at the results. Look at what happened. Look at that. It must be you. Something's wrong with you. I remember t- telling my wife, and she was in the last service. I remember telling her, like, am I, a, I remember crying. Am I a monster that people don't want to work for me? People don't want to follow me? People don't want to do life with me? And I bought a thought 
and it became a foothold, and that foothold connected to another foothold, and a slowly but surely a prison is being built. And then after that, maybe some of you, and I won't deal with them all because there's too many, but maybe there was a thought that came into your mind related perhaps, you know, to how you feel about yourself. Everybody's telling you, you know, you're so special and you're so, you're so unique and, 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 and there's something that, that you, you, you're saying intellectually, okay, okay, but in your heart you're like, no, that's not true. You don't feel that way at all. In fact, you know, a lot of times, I'll just apply this to the ladies, when you look in the mirror, you never look in a mirror and say, good job, God. Am I hitting a nerve? I'm going to be careful here. But you look in the mirror, and the first thing you think is, I wish there was a little bit more of this here and a little less of that there. <laughs> and, and, and so you, it's, be, and it's because maybe something that happened and some thought came in your mind that you're not beautiful, that you're not special, that you're not unique, and you accepted that thought, and that thought became a foothold in your life. And now when you get into relationships and opportunities open up for relationships, you, because you feel like trash, you accept people treating you like trash. And now you can't have a meaningful way. And every time a meaningful relationship presents itself as an opportunity, you're blocked by that foothold. Are you there, everybody? For some of you, it might be your beliefs. And there's something inside you that tells you in your belief, I have to have perfect because I'm organized and neat. <laughs> it's a sickness. <laughs> but I love it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not going to change. Okay, sorry. But some of you, <laughs> I feel like I'm in the Shining movie. <laughs> but in your, <laughs> but in your beliefs, some of you, your beliefs, you bought this thought, even though you're going to church, you're singing, you're worshiping, you're, maybe you're in a small group, you're saying all these things on the outside, but in the inside you think God is angry with you. Listen, somebody's going to get hit here. Some of you think that God is disgusted with you, disappointed with you, disapproves of you. And so because of that, you could be 90% in, but you're 10% out, which means you're 100% out. That 10% is holding you back in your relationship with God, your fervency with God, your devotion with God, your intimacy with God, your ability to move forward in the plan of God. And all of these things, these footholds, become a stronghold. And what ends up happening is you're living in a prison. Some of you are living in a prison of your mind. That's the bad news. You guys ready for the good news? Say, please, God, give me some good news. I need it. See, here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. It says, but we have power to demolish these footholds and these strongholds, the Bible says. We've been given authority over them. We've been given authority to, to destroy, to demolish arguments and pretenses and, and lies that we buy and false notions. The Bible's given us that. And not only that, but God's given us, listen, those things have names, beliefs, and calling, and relationships and uniqueness but there's a name that's above every name and that name has authority over these arguments and over these lies and over these distortions of truth are you with me everybody but if we don't learn how to deal with those we'll stay in a prison so the bible says we have to take those thoughts captive 
And I just love that word because that word, if we apply it to something, I like to apply it to like warfare, capture, you know, capture your enemy. And if you were in war, you would have to deal with war criminals. And I want you to see your thoughts that are opposed to God, to the knowledge of God as war criminals. And do you know what you do with war criminals when you catch them, when you take them captive? You interrogate them. Listen to my words now. Some of you have these thoughts, and you need to learn how to capture these thoughts and interrogate them. Now, if you've ever been in war, some of you may have, some of you may not have, but you certainly watch some war movies. In fact, the best show to talk about this, the best show of all time is the show 24, Jack Bowers 24. Some of you guys don't know this show, but you need to watch it. I understood what, what crackheads feel like when I saw that show because I could not stop watching that show. I binge-watched that show more than any show in the history of my life. I had to put it down. I had to, I had to put it on the altar. But in that show, I remember seeing like these scenes where <laughs> these criminals would be interrogated. It would be behind a closed door, one-way glass. You, they could see in. You couldn't, they couldn't see you. There's a metal table. There's one guy on one side, and he's got like handcuffs on, chained chain to the table. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? See the picture in your mind? And then some dude comes in, kind of intimidating, and he sits down. And uh, this, of course, probably after they illegally tortured him. And then they... <laughs> And the guy gets across the table and he basically says, all right, here's the deal. Who sent you? Where did you come from? And who are you working for? I want you to see the application. That's when Paul, when Paul is talking about take captive every thought. He's basically saying interrogate these thoughts and ask these three questions. Who sent you? Where did you come from? Who are you working for? Are you guys getting this analogy? Is this making sense to some people in this room here? So, because the problem is, we never think about what we think about. We're just kind of going on, and we let our thoughts just roam and wander. But inside your mind right now are three people. No wonder I'm crazy, Pastor. There are three people inside your mind. There's you, there's the Spirit of God, and there's the accuser of the brethren. There's you, there's the spirit of God, there's the accuser of the brethren. So what we need to do is we need to learn how to interrogate those thoughts to see which one of them is from God. And when we know which one is from God, by the way, the more you interview or interrogate those thoughts, the more familiar you become with the primary voice that you need to be listening to, and that is the spirit of God. Is everybody with me? See, my sheep, the Bible says in John chapter 10, know my voice and they follow me. What does it look like to know the voice of God? It, that's why it's so important you be praying and fasting. That's why it's so important you put God first this year because you're becoming more familiar with the, with the shepherd's voice so you can distinguish very quickly. That's not from God. That is from God. I can do this with my wife. You could put 100 women on a phone call and they all could be talking to me and I could distinguish my wife's voice in 10 seconds because I've been with that sweet salsa chick for 32 years. I know her sweet side, and I know her salty side. And I can tell if she's angry, and I can tell if she's happy. Because I've been with her. I've been familiar with her. In fact, I'll take it up a notch. You could, through some technological wonder, AI or whatever, make all of those hundred female voices sound just like Stacy. Listen. And I'd still know if it was Stacy or not. I could pick her out. You know why? Because I know what she would say, and I know what she would never say. That's not Stacy. She doesn't talk like that. She doesn't say, hey, y'all, y'all should come in, the, come, in, come in over here. No, she says, y'all should come in here. 
You know, she, you know, we're, we're, you know, she's, you guys need a healing. She, no, she doesn't say that. She says, we're fixing to catch a healing. You know, I, my wife says some crazy phrases sometimes. She doesn't say fast forward. She says forward wind. I don't know why she says forward wind. I've always said fast forward. I know immediately that's my wife because that's how she talks. Those are the things she says. And, and God wants you to, the Christian experience is about becoming so familiar with the voice of God that you can differentiate that voice from all other voices, the voice of the enemy and your sometimes self-absorbed broken voice. Are you with me, everybody? You want to know what God sounds like, turn to your neighbor and say, you need to know his voice. And so when you get familiar with his voice and what he is in fact saying to you, you've got to hold on to it. You got to hold on to it because when, when you begin to get those words from God and you begin to hold on to those words from God, everything can begin to change. Some of you are holding on to uh, the, 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 the pretenses and the arguments and the lies. You're grabbing hold of those things. God wants you to hold tightly, the Bible talks about this, uh, to his words and to his ways because some of you buy this lie. It's, it's a simple lie and it, it's very subtle how it comes in. Your friends will tell you you're struggling with something. They'll say, you just need to let it go, bro. Just let it go. Have you ever heard that? Some of you have said that. You just need to let it go. You let it go. Here's the thing about thoughts. You can't let them go. You know why? Because they're like boomerangs. You know, you're struggling with your identity. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're terrible. See, thoughts, they're not removed. They're not let go. You cannot remove thoughts. You have to replace them. You have to replace them. And so you can't get rid of these until you replace them with something else. That's where Philippians 4 comes in. Everybody getting something out of this? So to make these thoughts obedient to Christ, you don't just remove them, you replace them. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is, whatever, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, if there's anything excellent, that's a big category. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about, say these two words with me, these things. Come on, say it again, these things. God wants you to think about these things, not those things. So, so if the enemy's got you preoccupied with those things, you can't just let them go. You have to replace them with these things. Is everybody getting that right now? So we don't remove thoughts, we replace thoughts, and then we hold on to those thoughts. And when that happens and we hold tightly to those thoughts, then eventually what happens is you're able to, you're able to demolish these strongholds. Now that, that lie of the enemy that says you're not called of God, that the, 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 you replace that with, I know the plans I have for you. I know that there's a hope and a future for you, that you're called of God. When, when those thoughts that come into your mind that, 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 that tell you that you're not special, that you're not unique, you can knock that down with the word of God that says, I am his masterpiece. I'm a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. I, I know what God says about me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And whatever he says about you, you replace those lies with God's truth, that God has relationships for you, that he has people that he wants to connect you and knit you together and form you and, and form a body and he wants you to be a part of a body and we know that these, these beliefs that we bought that they're not true because God of course has a, a hope and a future for us. Of course God wants to do. He wants his truth in our inner parts so that we're transformed by truth. We're set free. Those that know the Lord, those that know his truth are set free in Jesus name. Are you with me? And those things are demolished because we replace a lie with God's truth. And some of you just, 
you don't know how that applies. Like, you're, you're, you're so focused on something you did in the past. This, I just want to say this to somebody. Some of you are looking at your past. You're letting it define your future. Something happened 20 years ago. Something, a character mistake you made. You know what? You know what? You know what God wants to do? He wants you to look further back than that. You're looking back 20 years ago at your character. Some of you need to look back 2,000 years ago at the cross. It's not your character that's going to change the situation. It's Christ's character that's going to change the situation. Some of you are looking at your future and just saying, I'm not going to get there in the next zero, five years, ten years. It doesn't matter. Some of you need to look ahead and realize that God's got it all worked out in the end. We win the game. Lord, haste the day. Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sighted and a cloud will be rolled back, right? It just talks about that in those last days that he will wipe every tear from our eyes as, as he returns and comes to take us back with him. Sometimes we're just looking at the wrong thing. We're looking too, too short. We got to go back further. Sometimes we're looking too short in the future. We got to go all the way out and know that Christ is for us. And if Christ is for us, if God is for us, who can be against us in Jesus' name? And when you do that, footholds fall. And when you receive that, footholds fall. And when you accept that there's power in the name of Jesus, footholds fall. And when you accept that he demolishes arguments, then strongholds are broken in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? How many believe God can break strongholds in your life in 2024? Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray. I want to pray a prayer of freedom over you. Father, in Jesus' name, for every person in this room, maybe you need to just, you know, lift your hands, but certainly open your hearts to receive. Father, I pray against, in the name of Jesus, every foothold, every way that a thought, a, a, a lie, a lie that we buy has taken foothold in our life and how those footholds have somehow been tied together, sequenced together to become a stronghold or a prison of the mind. Lord, I ask that you go around to each person by the Holy Spirit throughout this room, roam through this room in the name of Jesus and begin to unlock doors. Lord, I thank you that you have the keys to Hades and hell and to the grave, but you also have the keys that unlock the door of our mind, those things that have dominion in our life. You, Lord, can set us free from those strongholds in our life. I pray that people will begin to think differently, that they think the very thoughts of God. They not think the things of this world. They not buy the, 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 the lies that the enemy has told them. You have a calling for them. You have a purpose for them, and this is the year to fulfill that calling. Lord, they're special and that they're unique. Their relationships are going to thrive and not they're not going to have to strive any longer. Lord, their beliefs are going to become fervent devotion and fire for God in 2024. But Lord, I know something. I know that sometimes in order to make the biggest changes, we have to focus. And sometimes it's just one thought that can make the biggest difference in our life. One thought that can make the biggest change. And, and with every head bowed, every eye closed, there may be somebody here that has this thought going through the head. Maybe this is real. Maybe this is the real thing. Maybe this isn't hype. Maybe it's just not a crafty and clever communicator up here bringing me to some emotional state. No, there's something knocking on the door of your heart, and that's the Spirit of God, sir or ma'am, boy or girl. God's knocking on the door of your heart, and something inside you is saying, this is real, and I want it. And what you want is Jesus. What you need is to accept the fact, this thought, this, this thought of crossing the line of faith from trusting in you to trusting in what Jesus did for you. And if you've never crossed that line of faith, if you've never transferred trust from living for yourself to living for God, and you know that's you, I want to pray a prayer with you because this prayer, if you mean it from your heart, 
if you confess it with your mouth, can be one of the most pivotal moments in your life. Your heart can change literally in a moment. You can become what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, a new creation in Christ Jesus. You can get that new car smell in the spirit. Then after that, we learn how to live that life and maintain that. But this is that moment where all that changes from the inside out. If that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And those of you who prayed this prayer, would you join me in this prayer? Everybody right there where you stand, just say this. Say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. I give my heart, I give my whole life over to this thought that Jesus is who he says he was. That Jesus and only Jesus has the power to save me and to change me and to make me a new person. I accept that he paid for my sins, past, present, and future. And today, I invite him to be my Savior and to be my Lord. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, I pray you seal it by your Holy Spirit, as your, as your word says you will. And I pray, Lord, that as their names are now being written in the Lamb's Book of Life, not only are they rejoicing there, but we're going to rejoice here in a minute. But before we do, again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, this is important now. What I've learned as a pastor is that sometimes we say something with our mouth, but there's something physically that is necessary. It's connected to spiritual. Sometimes we do things spiritually that require a physical response. And that response in this instance is I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand. If you just made that decision and you crossed the line of faith for the first time, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And listen, I'll just caution you. If you're not willing to raise your hand, I think it'll be really hard to live the life as a Christ follower if you're not really willing to raise your hand in a situation like this. It's going to be hard for you. But if you did that, if you prayed that prayer on the count of three, one, raise your hand, two, three. Just raise your hand. Good night. These are decisions. These are people who cross the line of faith from death to life, from trusting in themselves to trusting in God. Thank you, Jesus, for every single person, even people listening online into this message in other places, all those people that transferred trust. Lord, I pray that you transform them, Lord, as they come and they became a personal decision, became known by you and known by heaven. Bless them in Jesus' name. Now you can put your hands down. Come on, everybody in this room, can we give a shout of praise? So many people said yes to God. So many people raised their hand. Come on, let's shout. Come on, let's honor God. Let's thank him. It's going to be a new year because we got new thoughts and we got clean heads in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.